Welcome back to another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. This one is all about Sarah's upcoming trip. This episode is going to be released when Sarah is midway through her epic adventure. So I thought we would take the opportunity to talk about how Sarah is feeling about the trip beforehand. We talked to Sarah about all of her planning, gear, and considerations that go into a project like this. I get a lot of questions about trip planning, so I hope that this gives you a fun insight to some of my processes. I'm always happy to help answer questions you may have otherwise via my Instagram or any other approach. (laughs) Make sure to follow Sarah for all of her trip adventures on all the gear, nay idea, That's N-A-E for all you non-Scots people. Happy adventuring. Cue the music with Kristen. Welcome to episode 10 of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am here with my co-host Kristen Vorton. Hello. Episode 10. You made it. Double digits. (laughs) (laughs) It's only taken us a little bit to get here, but (laughs) we're doing all right. And we're celebrating our 10th episode in a different location as well. We are. I currently have my super annoying black dog all over my lap. We have invested in a new Rodecaster Pro. We've got some microphones as well. <laughs> we have the breath of a border collie. <laughs> Apparently these microphones are very, very sensitive though, so they really only pick up sound if you're talking straight into them. So that's what I'm being All right, we got to do this. <laughs> Okay, so Bear just dug, tried to dig a little place on the sofa. I think he's settled now. That's Hopefully. Okay. <laughs> At least it's not Ness. Ness would be jumping off of the walls, literally. We, we wouldn't risk this with Ness, no. Probably not. <laughs> Bear is quite vocal sometimes, so uh, yeah, I thought it'd be a little bit easier for him to just be in the room rather than potentially barking at everything that goes by. So anyways, if there is some background noise, I did a couple of tests beforehand as well. Um and it doesn't seem to pick things up, and I'll do my best for editing, but that's probably why. But yeah, it's very exciting. So we are here because Sarah is just about to leave for a pretty freaking epic trip coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about how much she's been planning and things, so we thought it'd be really fun. It's just us in the quote-quote uh, studio. <laughs> Um, So we thought it'd be fun just to kind of get a good feel of how Sarah is going into the trip, what planning was done and things like that, because you obviously share so much on your, on your um, social media, which has been really cool, but you also probably get a lot of people that ask about it. So it's also a little bit of a concise, like, this is what I do (laughs) so that everybody can just figure it out from there. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit of education. And then after the trip, we can decide (laughs) whether it was a good idea or not. (laughs) So maybe stay tuned until we do the episode wrap up of the trip to see what went well and what we would have changed. (laughs) So yeah, Sarah, you've spent a heap of time planning for this. Um, 
I, it kind of, for people looking outside in, it probably felt like it was coming out of nowhere, but I'm sure in the back of your head that we'll get into later as well, it's probably been this kind of nagging thing that you're, you've been plan really underlying planning for quite a long time. So I'm really interested to see, um, I guess what comes out of it and yeah, how it goes for you. It'll be very yes. exciting. It is exciting. Yep. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say a little bit nerve-wracking, but very exciting too. Yes. Um, all right. So in the spirit of just staying with the whole similar structure to the podcast and stuff, I have a couple of warm-up questions. Now, we know very little about your trip so far, so it'll just mm-hmm. be a quick fire, and you can do it at quick oh. fire if you want to, because <laughs> you're in control. <laughs> um, so I just have a few quick, quick fire questions. Um just a little bit about your trip and then we'll really get into it. Cool. So something that you're excited about. The wilderness landscape. Okay. Piece of gear that you love using. My bike. <laughs> Which is a very good one. <laughs> What's something you hope that you don't have to use? My SOS button on my Garmin inReach. Very specific. I like it. <laughs> um, place that you're looking forward to visiting? Um, I am looking forward to visiting the Black Down Tablelands National Park and a waterfall there, which I, to be honest, I can't remember the indigenous name of, but I think it's known as the Rainbow Falls. Cool. Is there anything that you're bringing that's not actually of any practical use, but something that's just more sentimental more than anything so before before I started packing my bike I did have notions of doing that but to be honest I am so tight on space I think that every single thing I'm bringing is really practical um I might stick in an affirmation card but that's because it's very light very small but yeah I just do not have I do not have room for anything that's not absolutely required yeah no wasted grams no well there probably will be but the idea is no yes awesome um how are you going to be documenting um so I will be carrying my phone which I'll use for video and photos I'm also going to take I'm really keen to, to capture some content so I'm going to take a GoPro and I'm hoping I talk about things I don't need but actually I'm hoping taking my drone <laughs> so <laughs> that's totally not absolutely required but in these like vast landscapes I just think it would be epic if I could stick a drone up and have it follow me for a bit. Totally that'd be awesome and really good footage yeah. really cool stuff to see. Really. On a scale of one to ten how devastated is Ness to be left behind? Oh. <laughs> so I've tried to explain to her and she doesn't get it but she'll be like 50 yeah and I'm like 5,000 (laughs) that's actually a big consideration yeah I don't want to leave Ness and it's probably because you're going through some national parks as well I would assume it's because I'm going through national parks definitely but also realistically she's too little to come on a trip like this I have to prioritize my safety in what's desert wilderness and the thought of having to look after a dog it's just not fair on anyone. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately in the future, for sure. I want to take her on trips. Though. Yeah. In an emergency, put your own face mask on first before you help others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the last one amongst everything, give yourself a compliment right now. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I should have been prepared for this one. <laughs> I'm going to ask every time. <laughs> um, a compliment I would give myself is that I am 
courageous in the face of the unknown. Amazing. I fully back that. All right. Well, you did well. Thank you. <laughs> that was probably their quickest quick fire questions. I know because I got to do them. Yes. And I didn't ask anything about pineapple pizza because I didn't want to know. <laughs> um, all right. So now that we've got a little bit of a warm up, explain exactly what you are planning to do. Where are you going? What is this trip? In as many or little words as you'd like. Um, <laughs> like an origin story. <laughs> I was about to say. I can just give you three words. Um, so I am driving out to um, the central highlands of Queensland, I think is what the region is known as, um, in Brian, my van. And I'm going to start a 700 kilometer bikepacking trip from there. So, that, I mean, I could obviously go into so much detail, but the idea essentially is that I'm going to ride my bike for about 700 k's over about four and a half thousand meters of elevation on a route that I've completely mapped myself. I've never been out there before. I haven't found any other records from people bikepacking on these routes. So I'm just making it up as I go along, obviously with significant research behind that. Um, and yeah, I'm going to take... I think it's going to amount, what I've allowed for, I should say, is 10 days with a couple of days of, in inverted commas, rest, which will be hiking in the national parks that I'm in and then potentially riding to get about as well. So, yeah, loading up my bike, traveling solo, I should say, self-supported on this little route. Um, I'm starting in a town called Bluff. If you can call it a town, I don't know. I'll find out when I get there. Um, And then heading west. And the idea is that I'll finish in a town called Blackall, Mm -hmm. um, which is very apt with the Blackall 100 coming up when I think about it. And my friends Genevieve and Lars are going to pick me up from there and they're going to drive me to Longreach. I'll spend a few days with them. So the idea here is I get to catch up with them, which is awesome. And then I'll take a train, which is 11 hours from Longreach back to my van at Bluff and then drive the eight hours home. So it's kind of a loop. So where is Bluff actually? It's essentially west of Rockhampton. Yeah. And I think on your um, Instagram, you were saying that there was a name that you've given this route now. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) talk about the name that you're actually going to be giving the route. So I've named the route the Sandstone Wilderness 700. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that hopefully an attempt that other people might do it as well or um, well you never know I mean it is a big thing with bikepacking that people set routes and then other people go and follow them this could be the most boring feral pig filled trip ever that nobody ever wants to do again but who knows maybe it becomes like a tourist destination that's it Sarah the uh the route planner is uh you've heard it here first guys <laughs> this is where it's all born from Sandstone Wilderness 700 sounds good I it does it does totally well that sounds freaking amazing so again I kind of pre-introduced probably outside looking in it looks like whoa Sarah where is this coming from and I'm sure you've probably gotten some people going whoa, Sarah, where did this come from? But you've probably been in, you know, back of your head planning it for a while. So what inspired this trip? Yeah, so I guess, first of all, um, with regards to what you said there, I actually haven't told many people I'm doing this, so I haven't really had much reaction. Oh, you're hearing it here first. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you did, when we were standing in the car park the other day, say, whoa, where did this come from? Um, And the reality is I only decided last week to head to well, sorry, two weeks ago to head this week. So you're quite right in the sense that it had seemed last minute. 
Um, the original idea behind this was goes back to um, June of last year, to be honest, when I was meant to be in Iceland doing this um, gravel bikepacking race over about 1500 k's I think it was and that was a self-supported race in Iceland that I was like super stoked to do my first big bike adventure like that I've done multi-day stuff on the bike but nothing of that scale so that obviously was canned with COVID-19 the theme of the past however long now Um, and then because that was canned I then had an idea so my friends Genevieve and Lars at the beginning of COVID essentially so 18 months ago moved out to Longreach which is a town west of uh, of us on the Sunshine Coast just a little bit west a little bit west I think <laughs> yeah so what I essentially did was I was like cool I want to go and visit them in the winter before it gets too hot um and I mapped a route from home out to Longreach to see them and that was going to be about 1500 kilometers off road I actually based a thousand k's of that route I just stole to be honest there is um, a bikepacking race called I think it's the Terra Australis bikepacking epic and the organizer of that has set a route from the very north of Australia tip of like Cape York I think it is all the way to the south and I think it's Wilson's prom it finishes in Victoria whoa so people ride the entire length north to south of Australia and part of that route goes through Longreach and traverses east so I contacted him and he was super super helpful not only did he give me the GPX files he also gave me a list of cattle troughs and essentially any dams and water supplies along the route so when you have stretches of hundreds of k's without water which is what you have on that route um, and which is what I'm going to face as well that was just super helpful so that's what I was going to do I broke my ankle and that trip got canned. (laughs) You broke your ankle, but then you also (laughs) tore your meniscus. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) My my granny falls. And how'd you do those again? (laughs) Yeah. So I broke my ankle by slipping on an envelope in my living room. (laughs) Sent it. (laughs) I like how I can laugh now. I was in denial for a few days and walked on it and then yeah it was fractured and displaced so that was a bit unfortunate and then I was in a moon boot and then I slipped on water in my bathroom and because I was in the stupid moon boot I like staved my knee and and tore that. So So that trip was not meant to be at that time. So that was not meant to be and I've actually tried two other times to do this trip. So I tried um, earlier this year and then we went into lockdown and it was canned. I think it was locked down that canned that. Or was it because the train was cancelled? So I also tried and essentially my the cool thing I thought was that I was going to take what's called the spirit of the outback, which is this exceptionally slow train, but like really old fashioned that goes from Longreach to Brisbane. So I was going to ride out there and catch the spirit of the outback home. And it has like sleeper carriages and, you know, like a dining room and stuff that you would do when you're like 80 years old. But I thought, how cool is this? Um, (laughs) Sarah being not 80 years old. (laughs) It just seemed like a really quirky way to finish a trip. Totally. Um, As opposed to flying, because, you know, everyone can fly. Well, not everyone. That's very privileged. But you know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, I was going to take that train and I booked the train to head out to Longreach and ride in reverse because of time and the train was cancelled like two days before I was supposed to go it's like amazing the stuff that I block out of my mind but yeah yeah, it was it was cancelled because there was actually a death on the line and they were doing like investigations so it was so surreal it's like how often does that happen 
in terms of like cancelling this massive train journey and then yeah only when you're planning a trip. when I'm planning to try and get to long reach <laughs> and then yes my other one was actually with my back so I was going to go but my back was just too just playing up too much so I haven't I haven't made it and then that's why very recently the other week I decided you know what it's getting hotter out there so you only have so long that you really want to be out there for and I'm crewing for Cecilia episode whatever she is <laughs> Cecilia, um, at Black Hole 100 which you are also running um so I need to get back for that so I essentially was like okay I have a few weeks uh let's just go mm-hmm. um my work at the moment's minimal I can do that in advance and I figured this if I'm gonna do this this is the time um I then this is a real, very convoluted story but I then started looking at the route that I'd originally planned it was too long for the amount of time that I have and um yeah, so I just couldn't factor that in. So I looked at shortening it. As I was looking at the route, I actually was thinking, where does this even go? Like, what is this? Because <laughs> um, it was obviously designed as part of a much bigger adventure. And I realized I wasn't really going through anywhere very interesting at all, potentially. Just like a lot of stock routes in tiny towns. And it goes south of Carnarvon Gorge, which is somewhere where I had tried to go to. And then we went into lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got like a day for me to get away before this happens. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I then started trying to change the route to go through Carnarvon Gorge, etc, etc. It was just all getting like too long. And so I ended up completely remapping the whole thing and finding out about these sandstone wilderness national parks and essentially going into Blackdown Tablelands, which is one of them, and then through the north of Carnarvon National Park. I'm not going to make it to the gorge. I made the call that I'll go back there another time to hike it anyway. And I didn't have the three days that it would take to do that. So I'm going through the north of Carnarvon National Park to a much less traversed area and then linking on to what I've now discovered is called the Wilderness Way. So actually it's, it is an official four by four route that heads out there as well. Very I don't cool. even know what the question was, but I've just talked for hours. What inspired this trip? <laughs> what inspired this trip is a series of cancelled trips. <laughs> I remember when you were talking about Iceland, like on one of our very few, uh, I guess, Kristen on her bike outings. <laughs> we were at uh, Sugarbag and you were talking about this route in Iceland. And I, I wonder when that was. It might have been just around the time of COVID that we didn't really know Mm. what was going on or something. Yeah, it was. And you were thinking, oh, okay, well, it might be over by about June, July, whenever the race was on. And yeah, lo and behold, that did not happen. Because you still had your Europe trip planned then as well. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. So it would have been right around that time. Yeah. So I didn't really, it's all the way back to there. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And there have been some unfortunate events for you. And there's a couple of people that I speak to that it's like every time we're either you know about to go for a holiday or go plan a trip or something like that it's always COVID whereas other people sneak through all these little backway gates and stuff yeah so that's awesome you've kind of touched on it a little bit so you've done a lot of different types of planning you've spoken to people you know you had that route pretty much planned from Longreach but decided all it like part of what you were saying is it's not gonna be very interesting Mm. right so what's your process for planning how have you planned your route um yeah talk about that a little bit yeah, so I guess, I mean, my process for planning changes depending on the adventure. For this one specifically, it did become, ironically, about Carnarvon Gorge, which I'm not going to. Um, but I kind of love that's how these things evolve as well. So my process was really a lot of internet-based research, looking at national park websites, 
looking at maps essentially to start with and seeing these areas of national park knowing that I wanted to get to Longreach albeit I'm probably getting a lift there um towards the end of the trip um and looking at access points as well so last week I booked a flight to Emerald and I was going to fly there and now I've decided I'm driving there just because it's so much easier having my bike all set up and sticking it in the car um and I have another reason for that as well which we can come on to in terms of just like safety and planning um having a bit of a base for the first few days but yes so um planning wise it really is a case of maps I guess to start with and then googling stuff I'm like I say I'm traveling on a route that's not been ridden well publicly by other people so a lot of research about road surface and what the tracks are because out there you can end up on stock routes station roads four by four tracks I wanted to off-road a fair bit of it but I also was conscious of time so I think at the moment I probably have about a 50 50 split between paved and off-road stuff and the off-road stuff there's quite a lot of unknown in that I could be in deep sand it could be sweet gravel I think that's unlikely probably a lot of corrugated stuff um and so yeah I put in my Instagram post that I've been watching dash cam footage of older white males four by four (laughs) driving (laughs) but I actually have like because four by fours are the only like you know you look at all the national park stuff it's like no two-wheel drive access it never mentions a bicycle um so four by fours are the ones who they all seem to have drones and dash cams this is a whole sector of humanity I did not know about I know like you have troopies so you're well aware of this stuff you're nodding away I had no idea I'm like who's this old dude and I'm like oh he's got a drone and then realized this happened 50 times <laughs> these guys love it they've yeah. got nothing to do there's you know what do they call them white nomads gray nomads, gray nomads. Gray nomads. Yeah. yeah 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 with the uh, gray hair and all the kids are out they finally get that car they've always wanted and they just go travel the outback like huge and then they all have these like little youtube channels they're like oh mate look at this (laughs) they totally do and there seems to be like a real pride in like going to hard places and not getting bogged or like laughing at people that do and there's a lot of like not fear-mongering but the route i'm going on has black soil on it and from what I understand, when that gets wet, it becomes like an absolute nightmare. And if you, in terms of like trying to get a vehicle across it, if you look at the National Park website for one of the campsites that I'm going to, it's in um, Salvatore Rosa section of the Carnarvon National Park. It essentially says you need to take five days additional supplies because if it rains, you will get stuck. Whoa. Like I just have to look at that and be like, well, I have two feet and a bicycle and I'll make it out. Mm. Um, I'm not trying to get a massive vehicle across it but it is so funny they're just like hyping it up and <laughs> yeah so there's been a lot of random youtube watching there was a slideshow with some kookaburras that wasn't so great um, <laughs> actually we'll probably see some wildlife out there hey yeah um that's something i'm really curious about to be honest yeah because um there's a lot of talk of dingoes on the station on carnarvon um and yeah i spoke to my friend Genevieve in Longreach and she doesn't she reckons dingoes aren't going to be an issue but who knows it's not something I've dealt with before um and emus feral pigs definitely maybe just wild dogs as opposed to dingoes um massive eagles <clears throat> so yeah I think there's gonna be a lot of like birds of prey and 
obviously kangaroos and wallabies and your your usual Australian stuff as well so cool and that's all been part of my research is just knowing what I'm going to come across as well and it, yeah it's just a lot of google searching stuff yeah. to be honest and so have you planned it out like based around the and again inverted commas of like towns or townships that you're going to be coming into like again I know a little bit more because you said that you laminated the different towns and like what's going to be there if there's a Woolies or a Coles or if it's just a service station or something maybe the hours that the service station's actually open it might not be open when you get there for example is that most of how your trip planning has gone is based around these different I guess aid stations right (laughs) yeah absolutely um that's something that's super important to build in because of resupply and how much you can actually carry on your bike I've ended up, in all honesty, with a bit of a longer stretch than I would have ideally hoped for. Um, But it it also might turn out to be less if I ride faster. But I'm really just building in that extra time because I don't know the road surface. I don't know how I'm going to be feeling. I'm looking at 100 kilometre days back to back. If that's on road, that could be great. If I have a headwind and it's in deep sand, it's going to take me forever. So I potentially have six days of no resupply. So that means no power, no actual water source that's like a tap. Um, Even the campsite itself doesn't have a rainwater tank from what I can understand. So it's really a case of rivers, dams, cattle troughs. Um, And yeah, no food. So I need to carry my food for that time as well. So yeah, the townships are super important because I also, I've only booked one um, place in terms of accommodation, but for like laundry, um, for having a bed, just having a shower, that'll be pretty sweet. That's like on my fourth day um, that I'll hit a town, Springshore, where I'm going to, where I've actually booked something. But otherwise I haven't booked anything. When I hit those towns, I'm hoping there, I mean, to be honest, there are only like on the trip towns of any like significance where there will be stuff. There's only one, two, four. Yeah. Okay. Which is probably pretty nicely laid out if you're taking 10 days, for example, like, you know, a couple days in between. Um, what are you doing for food and water? Um, so in the past, I've always managed to use real food, like proper food. Um, for that stretch where I have the six days, I've bought a bunch of I forget if it's dehydrated or what do they call it basically like the food in the bag that you pour some water in um so that's those are going to be my dinners breakfast is going to be like a cliff bar um because I'm also conscious of gas so it's like it's nice to like cook oats and stuff in the morning but I I'm only taking one little gas cylinder and I need that to last the whole time um and I am going to take some like special coffee bag things that's going to be a luxury so that's something I don't need but that will be there um and yeah pretty much just picking stuff up in the towns and whatever they have I'll take it's just got to be small and light and it's not going to be healthy like that's probably one of the things I'm least looking forward to is there's definitely going to be a lack of fruit and vegetables and there's going to be a lot of sugar and just like high calorie stuff because I am obviously going to be working hard, but the stuff needs to be light. Yeah. But again, that's not necessarily a bad thing for these endurance events, right? Like you need something that's going to turn straight into carbohydrates that your body can take in right then and there because you're going to need so much to actually stay fueled. Mm. Like think about doing... 100k whatever you know that like imagine all the stuff that cecilia is taking just for that 100k doing black all and she's gonna finish it freaking fast (laughs) (laughs) but she needs to stay fueled you've got 10 days 
like of a lot of time on your bike. How much time are you expecting to be on your bike every day? I honestly don't know. Okay. I'm I'm allowing that I will get up and onto my bike as soon as I can in the morning once I've packed up my tent and I will ride until I either get to my what's kind of like an arbitrary checkpoint in some places because I do have a couple of days where I'm basically just I've capped it at 100k's to allow um to allow for that maybe I'll ride more but I'm saying 100k's max and for a couple of those nights that's just a ditch like it's it's nowhere um so if you know I get intel that there's like is a magic rainwater tank or there's something else that keeps me pushing on then I'll ride further but essentially it's a case of I don't want to ride it in the dark I'm going to ride in daylight for safety and see how far I get 100k is still a long way though because going back to all your surfaces 100k on a road bike that might take you what like six to eight hours or something depending on if there's hills and stuff Mm. but then you factor in the fact that it's not going to be beautiful smooth you know bitumen paved roads for you yeah it's going to be very questionable (laughs) yeah exactly and that's where I've just built in that extra time yeah hopefully, um, to allow for that. Yeah. Because I just, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to be feeling. Mm. I haven't ridden consecutive consecutively like that before. My bike is also very heavy. I have a lot of stuff on it. (laughs) Um, and yeah, just depending on winds, it could be, it could be slow going or it could be awesome. Who knows? So yeah, a bit of flexibility there, which is probably best, right? Um, how, how do you have your bike packed? Do you know like where everything is? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Figure that out as we go. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, I haven't packed my bike to allow for this much resupply before. Um, so I've had to pack it a bit differently. It looks super loaded up, but it's crazy. Like when it actually comes down to what I'm taking, it is the camping essentials. Um, clothing wise, like it's not like I'm going to have a choice of what to wear each day I am taking two pairs of bib shorts so that I can switch those out because that's pretty disgusting um (laughs) nobody will smell you it's fine (laughs) no it's more just like when you're wearing the same chamois like infection etc is a big risk on these trips so I'm just going to do my very best to clean um everything as I go along but yeah that's like my luxury having two pairs of shorts and then otherwise I just have like two t-shirts pair of shorts for camp and then some warm layers because it's gonna be cold at night but very hot during the day so again I have to allow for like a massive range from like 10 degrees to 35 degrees wow yeah I mean that's tough in itself even if you've got a you know a more unlimited amount of space but you've got a limited amount of space what are you what are you bringing like in terms of your warm weather stuff um so layers is pretty much partly because that's easier to pack but also because it's just easier to manage when you're out there so um layers wise I'm taking like a long sleeved Mons Royale base layer like a merino one um I'm taking my Patagonia Nanopath which is hooded um and then it's essentially a case of like I'm taking one other merino t-shirt that I'll ride in um so I won't be wearing that at camp if I've been riding in it because it's going to be disgusting in terms of sweatiness um but yeah I might just end up wearing everything I have which is actually not a huge amount and I'm taking a light sleeping bag so I am hoping I'm going to be warm enough but I'll deal with that when it comes I trust I will be 
um, I have like a buff I can make into a little hat and all those things as well. So everything, what did Matt say? Everything's got to have at least two purposes. Yeah, <laughs> we have the two use rules. So there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. That would have been a consideration as you're packing things, I'm sure. It is. <laughs> and I'm currently like umming and eyeing about a rain jacket because... I'm in desert conditions, but to start with, I'm up in these tablelands and I just looked at the weather app this morning and it's like sun, 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 sun. And then the two days I'm there, it's thunderstorms. Well, it's only because you're going to be there. Because I'm going there, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) What's a bit of adversity (laughs) over a 10 day trip, right? (laughs) It also sucks as it's like the first climb of the trip is about a thousand meters of vert over about 10 or 15 kilometers. So it's 10 or 15 kilometers and you're climbing a thousand meters in your first day. Yeah. Why don't you just drive the extra 15k and get over that? I'm not going to lie. I have considered about driving, but it's like a four by four um, access thing. And I'm like, well, that kind of defies the point of if I'm just, I may as well just drive everywhere from doing that. (laughs) Very true. And Brian probably would struggle to get up some of those four by four tracks. (laughs) Explain who Brian is again. Yeah, sorry. Brian is my VW multivan. He's all decked out to to camp in. (laughs) Yeah. Not four by four cable. Not four by four, <laughs> no. Especially not when he's due a service. The last thing I want to do is get bogged on my bike packing trip in my bike. Oh, God, can you imagine? <laughs> what sort of bike do you have? Are you bringing your gravel bike? Is that the bike of choice? Yeah, so I'm riding, um, it's a, a Curve GMX Plus. Curve mm-hmm. is a Melbourne brand. Um, Jesse Carlson is the bike maker who's a very famous ca- bike packer here um and it is it's an adventure bike like it's a gravel bike I'm riding it set up with warmer which are super wide drop bars and then I've got it currently running 2.2 inch Maxxis Icon tires which are like a bit of a drag on bitumen but should be okay for the off-road stuff like it's kind of that happy medium um, so it feels a bit more like mountain bikey, like a rigid mountain bike, essentially. And it's a very oversized frame. It's part of the reason I bought the bike because it is bikepacking specific. So it has a massive triangle that I can put a full frame bag in, which I've never managed to do on a smaller bike. Um, and lots of mounting points. So I've got like water attached everywhere, basically on it. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere that you can. I'm yeah. sure water is going to be the big like question mark behind making sure that you get enough hey yeah water is definitely I'm, I'm gonna have to think like a camel as we say it's definitely um I can say a concern it's a consideration because I've obviously well, I've obviously but I've been doing a lot of research just looking at aerial satellite imagery of the area trying to find dams and marking them on my map as I've been mapping um and I'm I'm gonna have to carry a backpack as well to be honest when it comes to those when I, I know I potentially have a few days with no water it's going to be a case of loading it on my bike I think I've currently got set up um, three litres, five, probably about eight litres on my bike and then the rest on my back. And I'm going to take my Salomon hydration vest, my 12 litre running one, because I can fit the bladder in there, I can fit bottles on the front and I can stuff food and stuff in there as well. I hate riding with a pack, but there's just... I just can't get around it for this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Partially riding with a pack is going to help out, not help out, but it's also going to be a little bit of the heat factor too, right? Of mm-hmm. just that extra layer on yourself in the 30 to 35 degree heat too, yes. which unfortunately just one of the things that I'm sure you have to do. Yeah. Um, you kind of touched on a little bit of like some concerns, obviously that are going to come up. Um, what I guess, are you a little bit concerned of? How's your back going? 
Uh, yeah. Because body is obviously going to be one thing that plays into, you know, making this a successful trip. How are you feeling? Yeah, um, it is. I, going back to like the concern, just like the language of that, I do think more like my concerns become considerations. Considerations is a better word. Because right. where I have a concern, if I'm going into the adventure and I am concerned, then that's not a great starting point. True, like I true. have time now to prep and work stuff out. So, and it's just something I've been thinking about um, in, in planning the trip. But yeah, the, my body is is a bit of an unknown it is a concern definitely a consideration um I had a bike fit on my bike which seems to have really helped a lot of the issues I was having on it before but I haven't put my body through this duration of testing as it were so um yeah it's it's a massive consideration and I'm hoping I'm all good I kind of had this attitude that all I need to do each day is ride so if I need to stop and stretch and sort myself out then I will do that and yeah, I think my trip mantra is essentially make good choices. And that's just about like looking after myself in the moment, not leaving future Sarah to sort it out. It's like, if there's an issue, I stop, I sort that out now before it escalates. Um, and with that in mind, I mentioned how I'm driving the van out there. So that's essentially um, part of the reason for that is I will loop back to the van after three days. So it's just contingency. Like I'm not going into this thinking I'm going to bail, but if something, if it just wasn't right and I was struggling, then the van is there. Um, and yeah, I can essentially pull the pin. I have no plans to, but that was part of my thinking is because I am going into this off the back of this injury. It just allows for that as opposed to heading straight off into the outback and then realizing, oh my God, I cannot physically do this. So yeah, that's been a big, a big consideration there. And also the van is cool in that it means if I need to adjust any kit or like, I don't have to carry so much at the start, I can like pick that up on my way through. It just gives me those options if I need to make any changes. Definitely. And we were off air just talking about just before of, you know, it's all fine and well to talk about it's better to be 10% undercooked Mm. than 1% overcooked. And going back to the fact of, I guess, like, to be honest, nobody cares if you do this. Nobody cares if you don't do it. Right. So it's also a little bit liberating of it can be just a trip for you. You're doing it solo. There's nobody that's going to be that you're relying on that's relying on you. So that's part of, I guess, kind of what makes it exciting is the fact that it's all about you. Yeah. You can kind of take that time for yourself, which a lot of people don't really get to do. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's I'm definitely grateful for that opportunity and for the fact I can do that. I know I I don't have like families to consider or like essentially anyone to consider other than Ness. Um, So that's awesome. Like to have that freedom and to, and to be able to just say last week, Hey, I want to head off next week. Like how freaking cool is that? I am so fortunate. And I also, I feel like I'm in such a good place in terms of exactly what you said. Nobody cares. Like this is the most arbitrary thing ever. Like why? the hell am I even doing this like you've literally named the route because nobody's done it <laughs> like literally nobody <laughs> knows what you're doing I'm like 99.9% sure nobody else will ever do it and I will probably never want to do it again either it could just be horrendous so yeah it doesn't matter but like how how awesome that I can spend my time doing something so silly too totally totally I love that yeah is and there's the solo aspect talk about what you like about the solo aspect and maybe what you might be missing out on sometimes with the solo aspect yeah, I guess the the solo aspect for me definitely 
it takes off pressure like you said in terms of I'm actually not letting anyone down like if we're heading off there as a group and I'm concerned about like my fitness or my setup or whatever it doesn't matter it's just me and if I need to make changes if I want to go faster I go faster if I go slower like I, I have absolute freedom to make my own choices to make my own good choices um and that's cool really really cool there's so much freedom in that from in terms of what I miss I mean definitely company I could be going a week without seeing anyone because I looked at I, I have like a route option once I get into this really wilderness area and it's this four by four loop and I can either go north or south on it and I thought, you know what, I'll map both. And when I get to camp, I'll ask someone there, like if they've done it and find out about the surface, because I know one is safer than the other, but I don't know how rough the other is. And then I went to book the campsite at the National Park and there's nobody else booked into the campsite. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a last minute thing. Like I, like how you haven't booked anything in the future. Maybe somebody might show up, but also yeah. someone might not. <laughs> Yeah, part of me is like exactly that could happen part of me is like this is a pretty remote area to not have planned so you never you never know but yeah I think I could be going long stretches without seeing people that being said I'm pretty good at that anyway I think like I do that in my house sometimes <laughs> probably for the last couple of weeks I'm sure you haven't just, really seen me yeah exactly. although you have had amongst oh, all this planning some visitors that visitors who have gone to Sarah in the last couple of weeks you know who you are Sarah's loved it <laughs> but yes I have loved it and the irony is one of them is Genevieve exactly. who lives never in Longreach who I never see who I'm riding my bike to see and then she randomly decided to come to Brisbane <laughs> but other than those visitors I know that you have just been head down yeah, it, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's been hectic trying to advance all this work and stuff as well yeah. Um, but yeah so I'm I'm Yes, companies definitely pros and cons. Um, but yeah, I do love I do love the solo aspect, that's for sure. Um, I have concerns, I guess, which has become a consideration around my bike and mechanicals. Yeah, one of the ones I had was gear. Mm. Yeah. So if I was with someone else who was better than I am at fixing bikes, that would be awesome. Mm. Like I'm going to have to problem solve everything on my own, um, which like I've prepped for as much as I, I can in the mm. time that I've allowed myself. So that'll just be experience we'll see yeah yeah so I mean do you have basic knowledge I would assume mm -hmm. of fixing a tire and like gears like what else would go wrong that would just kind of throw you through a loop do you think yeah I mean the reality is like a lot can go wrong with the bike mm. and you are limited as to what you can do in the field so the things that i definitely can address are like tire issues for sure and Genevieve was telling me how many punctures she gets out in long reach even though I'm running tubeless um but just you have so much like thorny stuff and crap on the ground um so tire is definitely consideration and chain chain oh, issues yeah. um so I can deal with that yeah anything else it would just be a case of I have cable ties and I have duct tape and we just have to deal with it yeah, I mean, it's there aren't just, any bike shops out there or anything, even if I get to towns. So it's it's just a case of there could be some interesting field repairs going on. And I've just, 
I cross my fingers that doesn't happen. Yeah. And that especially that doesn't happen in one of these really remote parts because it could be a long, long walk. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. If that's your only other alternative. Yeah. This is where I have had moments of thinking hiking is so much better or fast packing because you just have to deal with your body. You don't have to deal with this piece of equipment. Mm. But that being said, the distance you can cover with the bike is just so much incomparable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, wow. That's intense. And so weather is obviously part of a consideration that we mm. kind of touched on. Body is a question mark for everybody, even mm. if you come in perfectly trained. Again, we like we talked about off air, something just could happen. Stomach goes weird random niggle pops up that's never been there before it's totally unpredictable um gear anything else of considerations that you've and wildlife was one of them that we've we've covered for sure (laughs) water is is probably my my biggest one yeah um just with the unknown and to be honest seeing that it was raining I was actually like well that's good because they've had no rain so so long as the roads don't become hideous it could be good for me in terms of collecting water so they're always positive to these things as well right um yeah weather water weather water wildlife those three w's were definitely in there um yeah we'll see well for the other w what is your why for this trip why have you chosen to do something like this because i can (laughs) (laughs) good why (laughs) nothing of a uh, yeah, like when it gets tough, mm. it's going to be when. Yeah. It's when it gets tough out there. Yeah. What are you going to draw back on? Um, It is, there's no doubt, it is about challenging myself and, and finding, hopefully not finding limits, but potentially finding limits. Um, It's been a while since I've taken on any big physical challenge, to be honest. Anything like this, anyway. Um, So, yeah, there's actually, it's a case of, hey, Sarah, you're freaking lucky to be here. You've put yourself here. Nobody has encouraged you, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> and like, let's let's see, like physically and mentally, like what can I deal with? And I know it's a lot, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely a case of I've made this choice. Let's see how this goes. Um, the other the other part of it is about seeing this landscape I haven't seen before, but I'm not going to care about that when I'm eating life. <laughs> <laughs> it can be the most beautiful landscape ever, and you're like, far out. <laughs> there is also an element, again, I'm not going to care about this when I'm hating life, but there is an element of, um, I don't want to use the word inspiring because it just seems so cliched, but of just demonstrating to other people, women, men, whoever, what we are capable of as well um, and what you can design yourself um, if you are so called, <laughs> if you're called to do so, should I say. Um, so, yeah, when I talk about the content, like I would love if I could make some kind of little clip afterwards, but that's really going to depend on battery supply, how much I feel like videoing because, <laughs> you know, when you're just really tired and the last thing you feel like doing is, oh, I'm just going to take some shots. Um, but, yeah, some, just to just to show people what's possible totally and I guess getting into that as well too again we are very fortunate to be in a very safe country of Australia Mm. we didn't even mention that for a lot of people consideration is being a solo female so that's obviously not on the forefront of your mind but it's got to be somewhere in there right so if people are asking well you know Sarah you're a woman you're doing this by yourself um 
how are you thinking about all of that? I didn't even write it down in yeah, the question. Gosh, like that's, that's how far of a consideration and how lucky are we, right? That that is not a huge deal. We are, we are so fortunate and it is also a question I get asked all the time. So yeah, likewise, how I just overlooked that. I don't know. Safety is, is massive. Yeah. Um, and I know from being in remoter parts on my bike, when you come across like a four by four with like a guy in it, who's like, what the hell are you doing here? You know? It is a consideration, and we talked about it with when we spoke to Crystal as well. Um, I do feel like we're very privileged. I I don't feel nervous about it. I'm aware of it, absolutely. I think generally I'm going to be the weirder person than the person I'm meeting, um, so I always kind of rely on that. And also the fact that, for the most part, we're super fortunate. People are well-intended, you know? Um, but gosh, aren't we lucky to be in that position? Going back to that, like you're probably more of the weirdo. Like (laughs) I was running on a four by four track once, uh, out in Gordon country, we were camping out there and it's very heavily four by four oriented and things like that. And so there's this huge steep downhill that, you know, if cars are coming, you definitely have to get fully off the track if they start skidding and things. And I was running with bear and this guy, it was down at the like very end of this really steep part of the four by four. And it kind of starts to level out and stuff and so bear and i like i just pulled off to the side like did what we needed to do just let the car go by like i'm the weird one being in the four by four track obviously so i've got to give way to them so we pulled off to the side he full get like parks his car gets out of it i'm like far out what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. here he's like are you okay are you lost i'm like oh no no no, i'm fine i've got a bag like i'm just i'm just running he's like i thought i thought that you were genuinely lost what are you doing out here i'm like i'm just running so it was completely foreign to him yeah but for him he was like willing to like give me a ride he had like snacks in the back of his car <laughs> so I kind of think that's more of who you're going to be getting when yeah. you get out there yeah yes, I absolutely <laughs> like that has happened to me as well for sure and yeah people are concerned for you and then when they realize you're happy being there they're like you are crazy yeah like I'm gonna get away from this <laughs> crazy person before I get myself hurt <laughs> I, I am hoping that potentially these friendly people People can carry water and offer me some water when they go past as well. So you never know. But yeah, gosh, we are so fortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was something I didn't even really think about until you kind of touched on it. Yeah. I feel like, cause when you, when you're taking a bike, that's worth a considerable amount of money and has all of your belongings attached to it. There's people always asking me as well, like, how do you lock your bike up? I honestly feel like, no, I, first of all, I don't lock my bike up, but I feel much safer in these remoter areas than I do staying like in a town in a caravan park or something where it feels risky. So ironically, the presence of humans typically feels less safe than being out there with like a few other random people who've also chosen to be out there. And they probably have no idea how much your bike is, what your gear exactly. is. Like they've got yeah. no interest in that. They're in their four by four. They're doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was say. <laughs> they couldn't care less. With yeah. their caravans that probably cost more than my house. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll kind of start to wrap it up. I've got a couple more questions. Is there anything else that you think I've missed from wanting of what you want to talk about planning wise, anything like that? Um, I think, no, I think it's been great. The only thing I would mention, and this is just from a geeky point of view, knowing the questions I get is I've mapped this route using um, ride with GPS. So I've mapped it um, online using that um, software is the wrong word, but whatever it is, program. Um, And I've used a combination of Google Earth, Strava segments, 
and yeah, a whole bunch of written stuff to to look at what the route actually looks like. Um, and I'm going to be because navigation is a huge thing. So I'm basically I've loaded that file, which I've actually split into chunks so that it's not such a huge file onto my Garmin Edge. That's going to be my main thing on my bike for navigation. I always like everything needs contingency. So in terms of nav, I also will have um, the ride with GPS um, file downloaded. So it's available offline on my phone. I will have my inReach, which has some navigation scope as well. And I'm also going to take my Garmin Phoenix. I am so fortunate to have all this kit, I realize, and which has maps on it too. So yeah, just always building in contingency, but Ride with GPS and the Garmin Edge 530 is my main tool for that. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and like you said, it's, it's good to have plan A all through Z. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Now the final question, again, mm-hmm. staying in a podcast format land of us, what do you think is going to be your wildest wee while you're out on this trip? <laughs> <laughs> I know you can't plan for some of these things, but... Uh... <laughs> like a uh, overlook or something that you're like yep this is gonna be the spot <laughs> um I reckon it would probably be like on the side of a gravel or dirt road in like a vast plain which is like so open with these like towering sandstone cliffs in the distance and yeah I'll just be there it's gonna be maybe a mob of emus <laughs> <laughs> on is it a mob? Is that the yeah, we, specific word for it? Yeah, so actually um, I Googled this this week because Genevieve was saying there would be like, she was like, there are massive groups of them. And we were like, oh, what's the collective noun for it? So yeah, it's, it's it can be a flock or um, a herd was maybe there, but mob is one of them. So yeah. let's go with mob. That sounds coolest, I think. <laughs> but yeah, so me, vast a, open desert plain, yeah. sandstone cliffs and a mob of emus. <laughs> Is it a murder of crows? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah. Something <laughs> spooky like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll definitely get the uh, wildest we once you get back. <laughs> yes. And have cool. a, yeah, I think it'll be fun to hear about how it all went. You can re-listen to this and go, oh yeah, don't do that. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, do do that. That was really good advice. <laughs> yeah. So how can we all follow along with your adventures? Yeah, so um, I'm going to be. I haven't actually decided to be honest what I'm going to, what my strategy is. I'm I will inevitably post to my Instagram, which is at all the gear nae idea n a e for all the non Scots people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but safety is a bit of a consideration. So and also phone signal. Um, when I'm on trips, I don't necessarily post to my stories on the day of because I don't necessarily want to just advertise to my open profile what, exactly where I am. Um, that being said, I probably won't have phone signal for heaps of it. So I'll post when I can. And also I just remembered there something that we should have talked about. So sorry, very quickly. Safety is I'm going to use my inReach to send a mapping track. And I'm sharing that with a couple of close friends who I know won't freak out if it doesn't work. Um, so they'll be able to see and I can send a check-in message each day when I get to camp and also when I start on my trip. Just FYI, everyone. Perfect. <laughs> Everybody just took a big sigh of relief. No, I'm, I'm, you've got so much planning behind you. I'm sure you considered a lot of things. This isn't the first trip that you're doing as well. So it's not like, oh my gosh, you know, just going straight into it. You've done stuff before. So this is just going to kind of be a celebratory tour of some of your experience and uh, yeah, something brand new. Some type two fun, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Type 
five, four, six, whatever it is. Like, yeah, you're on your own. <laughs> and then I get to come back and cheer you on at Black Hole. So I'm super excited about yeah. that as well. Yeah, that'll be good. All right. Anything else? No, that is everything. Thank Done. you so much, Kristen. Good yeah. job, Sarah. Bear, you made good it, job, buddy. Bear. Just snoozing on the sofa. What a good dog. Good job, buddy. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours podcast at gmail.com. Sarah is all the gear, nay idea, and that is N-A-E for all you non-Scots people. And Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton on Instagram. To read the show notes or to find out more about fast packing and bike packing workshops, visit intothewehours.com or follow at intothewehours on Instagram and Facebook. Happy adventuring and we'll talk to you next time.